Good morning, everyone. It's really good to see you. Um, it'd be great if you could keep that passage open in front of you. And uh, let me pray for us before we start. Father God, we thank you so much for the peace that we enjoy here. And the conscious that we so easily take it for granted. And we thank you that we can meet together this morning and hear from you. And we pray that you would speak to us. Uh, we pray that we would listen to what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder if you've ever had that um, horrible shock uh, where you're driving along uh, and you suddenly realised that your attention wasn't fully on the road. Uh, maybe you um, were distracted by uh, the kids in the back of the car. Uh, maybe you um, realised that you're actually falling asleep a bit. Uh, or maybe um, you're just kind of looking into the distance and you see a tractor and you start to wonder what brand of tractor is out there. Or maybe that's just me having read lots of tractor books. Um, but you're suddenly like, whoa, I need to focus here. Whoa. Uh, it's like a wake-up call. You realize that uh, it could have been very, very dangerous. A distracted driver is a dangerous driver. And the same goes for churches in many ways. Uh, the church has got a clear mission. And uh, there are serious consequences to getting distracted. Uh, there are lost gospel opportunities. Uh, there are people's eternal destinies at stake. Uh, and with mission drift, we might even lose God's blessing. And a distracted church soon has very little fruit. And yet it's so easy to get distracted, isn't it? Uh, so many churches are, are confused about why they exist. Uh, or they get distracted by squabbles. Uh, or they get comfortable and start to just focus in on themselves. Well, they just become a social group. It so easily happens. But God has given us a really clear mission, an amazing mission. And he wants us to be faithful to his calling on us, both together as a church family and also as individuals. And it's something that this book of Acts is so helpful for clarifying, at clarifying. Uh, particularly this passage today, uh, Luke wants to validate and affirm what God has called his people to uh, and what it looks like to join him in that mission. Uh, it's such a helpful passage. Uh, if you were here last week, uh, you'll remember that uh, for the first time, um, many Gentiles, uh, people who weren't from a Jewish background, uh, have become believers. And they've become believers in a, in a place called Antioch. Uh, and yet, if we take a quick look back, um, we'll see that um, there was some uncertainty uh, about the good news going to Gentiles. Uh, back in chapter 10, uh, a small number of Gentiles become believers. Uh, and then take a look what happens in chapter 11, verse 1. Just flick back to the start of the chapter. Uh, you'll see that uh, the Jewish believers in the area heard about uh, these Gentiles uh, becoming believers. And then what happens, verse 2 of chapter 11, uh, we're told that they criticize Peter for eating with these new Gentile believers. Uh, but Peter says to them, look, it's okay. Uh, I've had a vision. Uh, the gospel is for um, Gentiles. Uh, remember back to, to Jack's talk with the sheet and all the soft toys up here. Uh, and um, Peter's critics are convinced but it is a really big mind shift for them. 
Uh, and as with the early days of any big change, uh, I imagine there's still some hesitation, uh, some uncertainty. Uh, maybe they're thinking, is, is this really God's plan? Fast forward on to verse 22, uh, where we're looking at today in, in chapter 11. Uh, and the news of uh, new Gentile believers in the city of Antioch, uh, far more than before, uh, is filtering back to the church in Jerusalem. Uh, the church in Jerusalem was uh, kind of the mothership uh, for the early church, uh, the home base, you might say. And uh, they hear about what's happening in Antioch. And they decide to send uh, a guy called Barnabas uh, from Jerusalem uh, over to this church in Antioch. Uh, Antioch was about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. Uh, it was the third biggest city in the world at the time, I think. And it was a really cosmopolitan place, loads of different people. Uh, and it seems that Barnabas was a great choice to send. Uh, we're told, verse 24, uh, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Uh, he's the real deal. Uh, he's a godly leader. Uh, and so they send him over to Antioch. We're also told earlier in Acts uh, that Barnabas um, was given his name by the apostles. He was called Joseph before that. And uh, Barnabas means son of encouragement. He was an encourager. Uh, it's also interesting to note uh, that it was Barnabas who had originally introduced Saul to the apostles. Uh, and they were initially a bit skeptical about Saul, but Barnabas vouches for him. He says, you can trust this guy. One commentator uh, describes Barnabas as the man with the biggest heart in the church. Uh, I love that. Uh, what a legend. What a great role model. So they send Barnabas, uh, and he arrives in the church in Antioch. And what does he make of it? Have a look at verse 23. We read, When he came uh, and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them, he encourages them, uh, to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Uh, Barnabas uh, arrives in Antioch and he clearly sees evidence of the grace of God at work among the Gentiles. Uh, maybe he saw lives changed by the gospel. Uh, maybe he saw an international community of believers. Uh, but I'm sure he could have seen it in a different light. Uh, these were, were new, untaught uh, Christians. Uh, I'm sure it was clear that there was a lot of work to do. Uh, but Barnabas, he, he sees the grace of God. He sees God at work. Uh, and he's glad. He's full of joy. He's thankful for what he sees. And not surprisingly, he encourages them. Uh, but not only that, uh, he validates what is happening in Antioch. How do you tell if uh, a new Christian is a believer? Uh, I guess um, there are two things that might help. One, uh, maybe a, a faithful, mature Christian who you trust uh, says, yes, I've, I've seen it. it. It's true, they've become a Christian. And that's what Barnabas does here. Uh, and I guess he vouches for them back to the church in Jerusalem. Uh, and secondly, uh, you're convinced by seeing fruit in their lives. Uh, a changed life. Uh, and that's what we're going to see in the second half uh, of this passage in a minute. But the key thing here, I think, uh, is that the author of Acts, Luke, 
Uh, as he writes, uh, he wants his early readers to be crystal clear that the gospel is going out to all nations. Uh, these Gentile believers in Antioch are genuine believers. Uh, Luke wants to show his original readers that, that this first ever uh, majority Gentile church is it, not fake, it's not some sort of second class church, uh, it's the real deal. The gospel is going out to all nations. And so getting back uh, to the story, uh, Barnabas sees what's happening and um, what does he say to the church in Antioch? Uh, What does he say to them at this this key point in history, uh, this new majority Gentile church? Uh, It's there in what we read in verse 23. He says, remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. He says, keep going, uh, stay faithful to the Lord, uh, and don't get distracted from your purpose. Uh, Such great advice from a godly, encouraging man. Uh, It could be a a catchphrase for life, really, couldn't it? It'd be a great thing to have written on your tombstone, even. He or she remained faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Wouldn't it be great if that could be said of you uh, or me? Uh, Wouldn't that be a great thing to be praying for our new trust uh, and um, for us as a church in general, that we would remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose? Uh, And maybe maybe Barnabas uh, and the believers back in Jerusalem, if they'd had a report from him, uh, maybe they were starting to really grasp Uh, what that purpose was and is, uh, what our mission is as a church. Uh, They were increasingly grasping that God, uh, with his missional heart, wants to take the good news of Jesus to all nations. Uh, They were realizing that it's true. This is our purpose. Maybe they were able to recall Jesus' words. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Uh, or his last words before he ascended to heaven, where he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We have a purpose, and we are to remain steadfast in it. But what does it actually look like in practice uh, to remain faithful to that purpose? Uh, What's it going to look like uh, individually and for us as a church family? And we get so many great glimpses of what faithfulness looks like in this passage, don't we? Uh, These folks in Antioch were faithful to share the gospel. Uh, Don't forget uh, what Robin told us last week. Uh, The people who had spoken the gospel to this church in Antioch uh, were there because they had fled persecution. Uh, And yet, amazingly, they didn't go into hiding in Antioch. Uh, They didn't keep quiet. Uh, They uh, spoke of Jesus, even to people who were completely different to them. They continued with steadfast purpose. Uh, They got on with sharing the good news. They were everyday missionaries. 
maybe for us this week, uh, making the most of opportunities uh, might simply mean speaking about what we've done on Sunday. Um, maybe it's um, offering to pray for someone. Uh, it was really great hearing from Dave, wasn't it, about the ways that he's um, seeking to make the most of opportunities. Uh, and the best starting point is always to pray for opportunities, isn't it? We also see that um, this church in Antioch was faithful to embrace new Christians. Uh, they were happy to have these new Gentile converts, uh, even though they were culturally very different to them, uh, and they probably had a lot to learn. Uh, Barnabas was so glad when he saw them, wasn't he? Uh, we're not to be some sort of holy huddle. Uh, we're to welcome new believers. We're to welcome people of all nations and every culture. Uh, we need to bend towards those who are different to us uh, and support those who are new in the faith within our church family. I'm sure in many ways that sounds obvious, doesn't it? Uh, but it's so easy to want to just stick with those we know uh, and those who are like us. Uh, and in the church in Antioch, uh, there are a whole load of new folks, uh, to the point that it, it might have been quite overwhelming, I imagine. Uh, we're told that after Barnabas, Barnabas arrived, uh, verse 24, uh, we read, uh, a great many more believers were added to the Lord. Uh, so maybe Barnabas was uh, lying awake at night, wondering how on earth they were going to manage all these new believers. Uh, but he has a bright idea, doesn't he? Uh, he thinks of Saul. Uh, and he decides to go and get him to help tr teach and uh, disciple these new believers. Uh, and so um, verse 26, uh, we're told for a whole year, uh, they, uh, Barnabas and Saul, met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Can you imagine it? Uh, Barney and Saul's discipleship class. I mean, how good would that have been? I would have loved to have been in that class. I mean, Saul's uh, theological depth, uh, Barnabas's encouragement. Uh, that must have been a pretty special uh, training group, mustn't it? Uh, but do you notice what is clear here? Uh, Barnabas wasn't happy to just see conversions. Uh, Jesus' commission was to go and make disciples uh, by teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Uh, Barnabas wants these baby Christians to grow up in the Lord. Uh, and so he, he brings in help. Uh, they stayed for a whole year uh, training these guys. Uh, they want to help them grow. Uh, they were faithful to training and discipleship. They uh, were to invest in those uh, who are new believers. And it's not just some sort of eight-week quick course. Uh, it might take a whole year of meeting with people and opening up the Bible with them and helping them to understand the Scriptures. Uh, and of course, we've, we all need to keep growing. Uh, but it really links into what we were talking about at Relaunch, doesn't it? About getting, uh, getting the Bible open with people and reading the Scriptures with people. What was the focus of this training, uh, this uh, discipleship class with, uh, with Barney and Saul? Uh, well, clearly they taught about Christ, didn't they? Uh, what it means to follow him. Uh, because these believers become known as Christians, Christians. Um, verse 26, we're told it's the first time they've been called that. 
Uh, and it seems uh, that it's the people in Antioch who are actually calling them that, uh, because it was so clear that they were following Christ. Uh, these new believers, they, they don't kind of fit into some uh, category in the city anymore. They're not just some strange group of Jewish guys. Uh, these folks are, are from all over the place. And so they get called Christians. Uh, that's what characterized them, they're followers of Christ. Uh, growing as disciples, as they were taught and trained, um, meant their lives were changed. And true faith always results in changed lives, doesn't it? Uh, and we get, we get the most amazing example uh, of the way their lives have been changed in what happens next. Uh, take a look at verse 27. Uh, we're told that um, some prophets come down from Jerusalem uh, to um, Antioch, uh, and they say that there's going to be a famine. Uh, it could be translated a bit more generally, uh, a great dirt, uh, maybe, uh, across the world. Uh, and we know that there are various famines across the Roman Empire at that time, uh, under the reign of Claudius. Uh, but Luke isn't so much interested in the prophets and whether the prophecy uh, is fulfilled uh, what he wants to show us here is the response of the Antioch church. Uh, because we get this wonderful picture of their character, don't we? Uh, they were generous. Uh, the Jerusalem church uh, didn't even ask for money as far as we know. Uh, and yet the Antioch church determined that the right thing to do is to send relief uh, aid back to the church in Jerusalem. Uh, and so they show that they are faithful in the use of their resources. Uh, the church in uh, Antioch is predominantly Gentile, uh, and the church over in Jerusalem is predominantly Jewish, uh, but they were all followers of Christ, uh, and as brothers and sisters, they support one another. Uh, there's this fantastic kind of full circle here, isn't there? Uh, the Jerusalem church uh, send one of their best guys uh, over to Antioch um, to validate and support these new Gentile believers. Uh, and unexpectedly, they receive this great blessing of, uh, in return, uh, uh, they get this financial gift. And what a great validation, once again, uh, that these folks in Antioch are genuine believers. In verse 29, uh, the recipients of the relief are called brothers and sisters. Uh, they are family. Uh, the gospel has gone out to Gentiles, and now both Jewish and Gentile believers are family together. Uh, and the fellowship between them is shown in their relationship. Uh, God is bringing the gospel to all nations, and Luke wants his readers to be crystal clear. Uh, and let's not miss the reminder here of the blessing of gospel partnership. Uh, we've experienced that this week, haven't we? It's been so good to have uh, Rob and Alice Whaley with us. Uh, we seek to support them uh, in their mission out in Kosovo, uh, and they have supported and encouraged us uh, in our mission here in Benwell and in the Northeast. Uh, they prayed with us each day, and uh, it was so helpful to hear from uh, both of them last week in the service, wasn't it? Uh, so let's note the, um, uh, the example of the Antioch Church. Uh, we're called to generosity to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, even if we've never met them. We want to share generously uh, of the resources that God has given us. 
Um, so let me encourage you to support our mission partners. Uh, you can find out more in the, the weekly email that went out last week. Uh, we're called to be faithful and generous in the use of our resources, uh, whether that's money uh, or our gifts or our time uh, or skills that God has given us. And we've got the privilege of joining in with God's mission to all nations. Uh, so let's keep praying that we'd be faithful to that mission. Uh, it's so easy to get distracted, isn't it? Uh, it might be um, turning in on, on ourselves as a church family uh, and just kind of enjoying church as a social occasion. Uh, it might be um, that the church building just kind of becomes a, a community building. Uh, it might be um, focusing on social issues, uh, but without gospel proclamation. Uh, or we might find ourselves focusing uh, in on our, our area, uh, our passion, uh, and forgetting the big picture uh, of what God wants to do through us as a church. Uh, as Robin said last week, often joining in with God's work will mean making sacrifices. Uh, but it's also a great joy uh, as we get to join in with what God is doing uh, and his mission uh, I'm sure it must have been a great loss for the church in Jerusalem, mustn't it, uh, as they, they sent uh, uh, one of their best guys uh, over to Antioch. Uh, there must have been a, a sense of loss, uh, uh, missing him. Uh, but Barnabas is glad uh, when he sees what's happening in Antioch, uh, and what an encouragement it must have been uh, to the church back in Jerusalem uh, when they received that gift from Antioch. Uh, I'm sure they weren't just thankful for the money, uh, but they were thankful for the fruit that it represented uh, in the lives of the believers in Antioch. They must have realized that uh, God was working in ways that they could not even imagine. They must have cemented their realization that to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Uh, and who knows the ways that God might surprise us uh, or encourage us as we um, seek to be faithful to him and to his mission, uh, and as he answers our prayers from this past week of prayer, uh, who knows how God is going to bless us through that. Uh, maybe we'll be greatly blessed in some way by a church that we planted one day. Uh, maybe we'll see um, people persevering in faith, even through great trials. Uh, maybe we'll see people becoming Christians in unexpected places and from totally different cultures. Now, we don't know how God will work, do we? But we do know that God can do far more than we can ask or imagine. And we can be sure that the gospel is going out to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you loved the world so much that you sent your only son that we might have eternal life, uh, even as Gentiles. Thank you that your mission to take the gospel, the good news of salvation, uh, will go out to the ends of the earth, to every nation. And we pray that you would help us to be faithful to you and steadfast in purpose, uh, both as a church family and as individuals. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.